Good morning, everyone, my friends. Our first reading, all the readings speak about understandings of the church, understandings of God, Jesus Christ, and how the church teaches, and how we understand. It speaks about uh, how God will raise shepherds, and he says, I will myself shepherd you. And he's speaking now about our church. I will raise up holy ones, and I myself will shepherd. Talks about judgment, as does the gospel. Our second reading speaks about another one of the truths of our church, about the afterlife. My friends, last night I brought up um, so many things, and Father got very emotional. Um, so he had his cupcake last night, now he's better, and did some praying. The problem is we've been trained not to lose our emotion lest we lose the message. But sometimes uh, it's hard. So my friends, um, when the church comes under attack for what she believes and what she teaches, the truth of Jesus Christ it becomes wearisome. All of you know this. So I'll start with one of the first beliefs, the afterlife. And I will use science. Anthropology tells us that every culture and every civilization from the past had some understanding about the afterlife. The evidence put forth are, are found in ancient manuscripts from all the different civilizations and writings about their rituals and their precepts, elaborate burial sites and cemeteries that are uncovered. However, anthropology also say that uh, the past cultures and civilizations were confused as to the, the exact nature of the afterlife. And so they had fear about it. In our world today, uh, where the thought of an afterlife and the possibility of the resurrection from the dead are often laughed at, and we are ridiculed and told, oh, silly Christians with your figments of the Judeo-Christian imagination. It doesn't exist. But yet our Lord and our King has talked about this. What he says is true. And we should be grateful then as Christians for the revelation that Jesus has given us about this. And so we should not be confused or fearful about the afterlife. Jesus has assured us that we have a loving Father in heaven and that he, Jesus, the Messiah, has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. In today's gospel, the Lord also tells us about the conditions, part of the conditions for entry into heaven. Now, on the one hand, looking at the scriptures of just today, but you know, as your pastor, I've told you, we take all of the writings of the scriptures, starting with the New Testament, then looking into the Old Testament. But based on Matthew today, what we heard, you don't need an army to get into heaven. You don't need to be very rich to get into heaven. Though Jesus often compared heaven to a banquet, you do not even need food, <laughs> and you don't need to bring your own utensils. And in COVID, that's a good thing, right? Because <laughs> we're not supposed to share those things. What 
Matthew, the evangelist, tells us about Jesus, his experience with Jesus. Our entrance into heaven will depend on our conduct. Our conduct is dictated by what we believe. How you believe is how you act. How you believe is how you speak. Our love for God and how we treat other people by the good we did or, as we heard in the gospel, how we have failed during our lifetime matters to God. Jesus simply says that whatever you did to the least of these, he considers it done to himself. Do you understand what he's saying? When you spoke ill of that person, you spoke ill of me. When you helped to raise that person up out of their depression, the good you did, I consider it as being done to me. If we are to gain access to heaven, then we simply must love God. And I say simply because everyone has love. I may not have a million dollars, and as I said, I don't need it. I don't. <laughs> I may want, but I don't need. But I do need to love others to give God glory and to love God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my might and to evidence this by the way I speak and act towards others. The gospel today is surprising in uh, many ways. As we enter into the next millennium, um, the third since the birth of Christ, it is interesting to note that God will not judge the world by the rise and fall of nations and civilizations. In fact, he will bring them before him, all of them, all of them, all the athletes, all the movie stars, all the rock stars, all the athletes, everyone in Iran, everyone in Korea, everyone in Palm Springs, California, everyone. First reading said, all nations, they will all come before the king. God will not judge by the rise and fall then of those civilization or nations, nor by the outcome of wars and revolutions nor by the discovery of new worlds or planets or by the, if you will, the inventions of technology, but simply by acts of love. Love performed for one another and often inconspicuous by nature so that those performing the acts are often unaware of the great significance. Although your pastor has been standing before you for seven years telling you My friends, it is interesting to know that the characters in our stories are not surprised by the need to show love and concern for their friends, <laughs> but rather that they had to show love for the least. We see that in the contrast. On the one hand, we see those who say, oh, Lord, when did I do this for you? Oh, the person I saw in the corner? Ah, 
But then the others are like, Lord, when do we, when we never saw you poor, you did. The gospel today may also catch some by surprise, for it shows God is a God of justice. Too often of late, great emphasis is put on the notion of God as a loving God who doesn't care what you do or say. This comes not from the outside world, but from within the Christian communities. The God will do, he did, he did everything he can to help us and to save us. But he will not ignore that which is wicked. And there is a time allotted. There is a time. Dare I say, God runs out of patience with us. What I'm about to say, someone told me not to say, and I'm going to say it. I want to talk to you quickly about the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, humanity. They walked with God in a way that we don't. Dare I say, they didn't need faith, because God was right there. They could see him and talk to him and hear him. And he created everything for them, gave them everything, and he said, but this one thing you must not do. For if you do this, you will die. And then Satan comes and says, surely God loves you and it doesn't matter what you do or say. Surely if you eat of this, you will not die. He would not dare to kill you. The words spoken then ring true today. Do not do that or you will die. We don't like to hear that. I told you God loves you. But to the Christians who think it does not matter what you do and say, flies in the face of all the scriptures. You may say, Father, I don't believe you. Doesn't change the fact. Go to the scriptures. This is how much God loves you. And because of this, we have the ability to enter into heaven. But to the person who is baptized, who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who says he's a disciple, but then goes out and tears down people, that is mortally dangerous to you. Because it matters to God. And my friends, I've laid also in the Christian world, well, I'm a good Christian. I write a check to the church and I volunteer. It is not enough. I do not contradict Matthew. For read all of Matthew, he will tell you. Read all of John. Read all of Luke. Read the whole 
of the Bible, all the books. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not fair. Well, too bad. In particular, to Christians, to you who are sitting here, greater responsibility is given to you. I've talked to you and over and over again about holiness because I know it matters to God. If you try to take holiness out of those other things, why volunteer? So do atheists. And believe it or not, they can write a check to the church too. <laughs> but there is a difference. There's a catalyst for those who are baptized who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, who say, I am a disciple of him. God the Father has allotted a particular time to each individual. The gospel warns us that when time runs out, God will act decisively. Those who have not responded by showing love of God and love and concern for others in their lifetime according to the scripture read today, will be banished from his sight. This in itself is a condition far worse than any hell you can imagine and any version of it that Hollywood would put forth in a movie to make fun of us. The gospel passage today is at once consoling and challenging. It is consoling because it tells us that we don't have to do anything extraordinary. We just have to love. It is challenging, however, because it reminds us that time is limited. And we have much yet to show of our love of God and others. I pray that you and I do not waste any more time and do not waste the opportunities given to us. We need to imitate our Lord and our King and how He spent His earthly life doing good. My friends, the church, oftentimes when she puts forth a solemnity, there's something behind it. Yes, for the glory of God. But this solemnity that we celebrate today, Jesus Christ, King of the universe, it was instituted in 1925 by Pius XI. It was in response to the growing hatred and hostility towards the church. 
Does that ring a bell right now? Yeah. The solemnity is to remind us and to inspire hope in us. To remind us that governments and ideologies come and go, but Christ remains forever. My friends, our nation is beset with civil unrest and racial tensions, and we have the pandemic. We would do well to return to our Lord who reigns over every people and every nation. Every people and every nation. My friends, our country faces growing tensions and polarizations. And yes, we must reconcile racial uh, injustices and all Catholic Americans would do well to consider how many people in this country have been exiled because of their faith. Yes. It's considered in not nice to bring that up right now. In our own country, Christians who feel exiled for their faith, they're ridiculed and attacked verbally. How many continue to experience in our country a place of exile rather than a place of home? So as Catholics, as Christians, we have the ability to change this. My friends, our first reading, amongst other things, Ezekiel spoke a good word about a church that is suffering. Many whose faith have been shaken by many things, scandal within the church, scandal without, outside the church. For many Christians, however, those words of, G, of Ezekiel talking about God, I myself will shepherd my church. He will raise up holy ones. But God says, I myself, O shepherd, this gives great hope in the Lord, the Lord who goes out and seeks the lost. He shepherds rightly always. Even if I make mistakes as your little shepherd here, you have faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. He loves you, and he does care what you say and do. And he will come and he will judge between the sheep and the goats, <laughs> even though I joke about goats often. My friends, let us pray and let us continue to work on our holiness. Last night, I said something uh, that I should I rethought, and I said, in my seven years with you and speaking about holiness and talking about discipleship, it seems that I have failed.
So I went home and prayed about it. <laughs> Had my cupcake. For all of you who know what that means, that's my comfort food. Lord, what is it you have me do? Continue doing as I've asked you. So I will continue to impress upon your hearts and your minds the holiness. I will have to increase my efforts on understanding of discipleship. Dr. Taylor. <laughs> and work harder. It seems. My friends, the battle is not just from without from outside the church, it is from within it also. As I kind of alluded to, Christians who feel, well, I simply need to write a check. I'll do some volunteering down at Salvation Army. Is it any wonder that they don't go to church anymore? Because what they are doing is taking the holiness part away. And then what happens is now we have an institution that is known as an NGO, non-government organization. And the church is not that. It never will be. It never can be. Last night I went home and I said, I don't know, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know how to impress upon the Christians not to do this. So I had a second cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> My friends, I'd like to leave you with Scripture. I was going to do Psalm 78, but that would be another 15 minutes. So Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul yearns and pines for the courts of the Lord, his house. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Something that I wish all of you do every day. As the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest to settle her young, my home is by your altar. Lord of hosts, my King and my God, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They never cease to praise you. Blessed the one who finds refuge in you, my Lord and my God. In their hearts are pilgrim roads. It means they're searching for him. As they pass through the Baca Valley, I'm interpreting as I read. Oh, just so you, I, I better tell you, I'm interpreting some things. Baca Valley is just it was a, one of the valleys on the way to Jerusalem. They find spring water to drink 
and the early rain covers it with blessings. They will go from strength to strength. It's a reference to the Holy of Holies. And see the God of gods on Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. O God, watch over our shield. That's a tricky one. It's actually a reference to Jesus. But it's also a reference in the Old Testament to his priests. O God, watch over our shield. Look upon the face of your anointed. Better one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Better the threshold of the house of my God than a home in the tents of the wicked. For a son and shield is the Lord God bestowing all grace and glory. The Lord withholds no good thing from those who walk without reproach. Reproach. Lord of hosts, bless the one who puts their trust in you. That is what the church is about. Giving God glory, walking in holiness, and doing everything that Matthew said. So I end with, God loves you, and I love you. And I ask you to keep praying for myself and all the priests of the church, that they will be good and holy shepherds to all of you, God's precious treasure.